Luke chapter 2 and verse 1, we've heard it many times. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Some things never change. Skip into verse 3, case in point. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called... Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. Deliverance still happens in Bethlehem. Mary isn't the only one that was ever delivered in Bethlehem. A whole human race relies on the deliverance opportunity presented to us from that tiny town called Bethlehem. Someone say deliverance happens at Bethlehem. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Lord, we are so thankful for the promise and the power of your word. God, for people prepared to hear and God, for lives that are prepared to change, we will give you tremendous praise this morning. Lead us through these moments together, God. Guide and guard our tongue. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit would say to the church, we pray. Come on, would you just make that a little bit more than a formality for a moment with me? Would you make that personal? Would you allow the Spirit of God just to kind of quicken something in your spirit? Come on, there's a call in the room that we're sensing. There's a wind that's shifting the spiritual environment in the room for a moment tonight. This morning, if you just allow God to touch right now. God, your deliverance opportunity, your power is here in this place today. Would someone clap hands to the Lord? Almighty oh, town of Bethlehem, where the white weak become mighty this morning. You may be seated. The year was 1868, and the Methodist preacher Philip Brooks had taken a leave of military service and traveled to the Holy Land at Christmas time. He had left Jerusalem Christmas Eve on horseback to travel to the small, indescript village of Bethlehem. And when that little town came into view, inspiration struck, and he penned the words that so many of us all sing, O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Don't be mistaken by the words of the song. Bethlehem may be small. It may be a tiny town, but it's mighty. If you were to turn to scripture to Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, you'd find this written by the prophet. But thou, Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth had been from old, from everlasting. The prophet had made the declaration, Bethlehem, don't get sidetracked because of your size. Don't miss the moment because of how small you are. There's a promise that's coming out of Bethlehem. I, I just felt a little quickening in the Holy Ghost right now. I, I just want someone to realize promise still comes out of Bethlehem 2,000 years later. We may have a little tiny song to sing, but we've got a great big God to honor 
to worship this morning because that God is still at work. That God is still here in this place this morning. Why would God choose this tiny little town of Bethlehem? It may not be the mystery that we ponder over so much. The stories surrounding this small Jerusalem suburb are filled with signs and powerful promises that are still relevant. And they're still speaking to us today. If you were to track back through scripture to the first book of your Bible, Genesis chapter 30. Jacob is the patriarch in Israel. He's worked 14 years for his wives, Leah and Rachel. Leah has given Jacob six sons and a daughter. And all this time, Rachel has suffered in silence and in barrenness. She's observed Leah give birth to those sons and daughter. And now she's wondering what's wrong, what's happening, why not her. She's stuck in that place, that location of, of wondering when God, if God will ever use her. But Rachel, a transition is about to take place, a transformation is about to occur. And, and by the time we reach the end of Genesis chapter 30, verse 22 to 24, it said that God remembered Rachel and God hearkened to her and opened her womb and she conceived and bare a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. And she called his name Joseph. Joseph means about, it has the idea about God adding, how that maybe, uh, maybe Jacob had already had many sons by Leah, but God was still going to use Rachel to add to the lineage. God was going to add to the promise. God was going to add to the heritage and the history of Jacob. God is still that kind of adding God, but, but in the moment, she's not lost because of all the excitement. A, a powerful word of prophecy comes over Rachel in the moment that Joseph is born, and she declares, the Lord shall add to me another son. She's already suffered in barrenness. She's already suffered in silence. But now that God has blessed her with Joseph, there's something longing in her spirit. This is not enough. There's still a hunger in her heart. This is not just enough. I believe. And she declares when prophecy hits her, the Lord shall add to me another son. It was a powerful word, and, 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 and no doubt she questioned it in her mind before she spoke it through her spirit. No doubt she had questioned it when it landed in her soul because she had waited so long for one. How was there a guarantee that there would be another? But God gave her that promise that he would add another son to her lineage, to her her promise was still there. She, she declares, God's not finished with me yet. And we wind our way through five more chapters in Scripture. Jacob leaves the house of his father-in-law, Laban. He's rich. He's wrestled with the angel until the breaking of day. His name's been changed. He's restored his relationship with his brother Esau. A lot has happened in just five chapters. That's why you can't skip a day. You're bread reading. Go back. Carry on, because you, you can miss a whole lot. Look what we just saw happen in five chapters. But five chapters later, Jacob with his family is now journeying from Bethel. And they were a little way to come into Ephraim. And Rachel travailed. The Bible tells us that God's promise had come to pass. And she was now pregnant one more time. But the Bible says this, she had hard labor. And it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said unto her, Fear not, thou shalt have this son also. 
And it came to pass that as her soul was in departing for she died, that she called his name Benoni. She didn't understand that that next son would come at a great cost and a great price. A great loss would happen in Rachel's life. She had felt that quickening in her spirit at the birth of Joseph, and she declared with confidence that God would add another son. But now, in this moment, she didn't realize that death would be the cost of life coming forth. In her last moments, with literally her dying breath, she declares his name, Benoni. Benoni carries strong definition. It means son of my sorrow. If you were to look deeper into the word, the original language tells us that it means son of strictly nothingness, the son of trouble, the son of vanity, the son of wickedness, the son of affliction, of evil, false, idol, iniquity, mischief, all those things wrapped up in a single name, Benoni. In her passing words, she makes a declaration over the future and says, he's the son of my sorrow. So here it was in this place. The scripture goes on and tells us that, that Rachel died and was buried in the way to Ephrath, which is Bethlehem. We find the first lesson in Bethlehem is a very difficult lesson. It's a, it's a lesson attached to tragedy. It's a lesson attached to sorrow. It's a lesson attached to difficulty that we traverse in our lives. It's a lesson attached to mourning and, and just that season that somebody had to walk through, that deep valley of the soul, the darkness that overtakes somebody in that moment. And she called his name Benoni, son of my sorrow. You see, one of the problems here is that, is that Rachel reached back into ancient history. She reached back into, that, into that, that problem that was with Eve. She reached back into that moment that she would bear children with sorrow. And she defines the child by that moment. She defines the child, the son of my sorrow. And Jacob could have sympathized with her sorrow. He could have been driven by his grief and continue and carry on. But Jacob refused. Scripture tells us in verse 19 that, that she died, but she called, in verse 18, that she called his name Benoni, but, someone say but, his father called him Benjamin, the son of my right hand. So we could, the lesson that we've got to learn in Bethlehem, the first lesson that we learn the mighty town of Bethlehem, is that there's going to be times when we walk through difficult valleys. There's going to be times when sorrow touches our lives. There's going to be times when, you know, it's not just Rachel that's in sorrow. Jacob is in sorrow as well. And he could have been driven by that sorrow. He could have allowed the identity of his son to remain as she had called him, Benoni, the son of his sorrow. However, he refused to allow that to happen. I've been to NICU. I'm not sure if any of you ever have. I, I've been into the neonatal intensive care unit, and we've been there for some success stories. We've been there when God met us and God allowed us to walk out. I'm a, Nick, a NICU story. Uh, we've been there through the last 30 years of ministry, different times when we've had to reach into the incubator to pray for a baby. 
We had to reach in and, 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 and lay hands and, and pray that God would perform the miracle. And sometimes God has. But can I let somebody know that sometimes God hasn't? Sometimes it's a deep valley of sorrow, filled with sorrow, filled with grief, filled with those moments. And, and we've got to decide what happens in Bethlehem. Are we going to be defined by the sorrow that we've got to walk through? Are we going to allow our life and our future to be defined because of a moment, the valley of the shadow of death that God allowed us to step into? How are we going to define our future? How are we going to allow that sorrow to touch our lives? How, how are we going to respond to what God allowed us to walk through? We've got to answer that question sometimes. I, I'm talking to people in our room that, that you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You know what I'm talking about today. You, you know where Pastor Jack's at this morning. You know what I'm saying that that you've walked into that dark place where where words are, are comforting but they don't do the work where where somebody's kind card uh, it buoys you a little bit but it doesn't bring you out of that location and that you've just got to simply walk your way through the valley of sorrow but if we're not careful we can define our future we can define future generations by that sorrow and we'll say well that's the son of my sorrow but the lesson that God wants someone to know today is that you don't have to be defined by that. You don't have to be defined by what happened in the past. You don't have to be defined by difficulty. You don't have to be defined by that, by, by, by that barren road that you walked through. You don't have to be defined by that. You see, Jacob was left with a choice. He was left in that moment. Do I maintain his name as Benoni? But scripture tells us, but his father called him Benjamin. You see, if we're not careful in this season we walk into right now, our world is suffering mourning like it never has before. And we could call this the year of sorrow. We could call this the season of sorrow. We could call this the season of mourning. This, we could call this the season of, I don't understand why God would. We could. If there ever was a year when we could or maybe we should, this would be that kind of year. We could call it Benoni, the son of our sorrow. But that's not where God's got us. That's not where God's got this church because God doesn't intend for us to name the future that way. God doesn't intend for us to walk into the future defined by the past problems, the past trouble, the past, come on, the past morning. God doesn't want us to walk into our future like that. God wants someone to say, you know what, in this moment, in this season of difficulty, I'm calling it Benjamin. It's the son of my my right hand it's a son of promise it's a son of come on it's a son that God is going to give me because he's already made a declaration over my life of greatness that happened in the mighty town of Bethlehem God wants someone to walk out of the room this morning with a new definition of, of where you've been God doesn't intend for us to, to be defined by the sorrow. God intends for us to be defined by the position that he's placed us in. We're not in a position of defeat. We're not in a position of sorrow. We're in a position of promise. We're in a position of hope. We're in a position of future. We're in a position of revival. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. That's the season that we're in right now. Don't be defined by your past. Be defined by your future we got the enemy working overtime for people needed to be defined by their past I just want to make a declaration you're not defined by your
Jacob could have been defeated by the depression. If anybody's got a right, it's him. But if anybody could also look at the circumstance and say, I'm not going to allow my boy to be fine that way. I'm not going to let him walk through life being called son of sorrow. It could be Jacob. Let me tell you why. Because if you just went back through a few of those chapters that I said you shouldn't miss, you'll find that Jacob underwent a name change. If anybody knew what it was like to walk through life with a bad name, it was Jacob, deceiver, supplanter. Every time that he was addressed, he was identified by the wrongdoing, by his past, what he had done, all the wrong that he had accomplished was all lined up. It was all accumulated, and the enemy could just simply say, look, supplanter, come on with me. Come on, deceiver. How low are we going to go today? How far are we going to fall now? But that's not what Jacob was identified by any longer he was defined as Israel. And Israel said, I'm not going to allow my son to be defined as a son of sorrow. We're going to call him the son of my right hand. Come on, Jacob. Jacob could have, have wallowed in the pity. He could have wallowed in the wrong place. But Jake, you know what it was? It was a declaration that Jacob wasn't who he used to be. It wasn't just about who Benjamin would become. It was about who, who Jacob was, but now is. It was a declaration. Jacob was saying, ah, I have a right to rename him. He had wrestled with the angel until the breaking of day. He had hung on until the blessing came. And now that he was blessed, he wasn't going to settle for less. He wasn't going to hang on to the past. He stepped in his rightful place. You know what the angel told him? He said, You're, as a prince, you've wrestled with God. And Jacob said, I'm not defined as supplanter anymore. I'm stepping into my place as Israel. I'm stepping into my princely right to rename this boy. And he's not going to be Benoni. He's going to be Benjamin. And Benjamin is the son of my right hand. You see, the right hand, it isn't just that he's right-handed. The son of his right hand is a position of authority. Let me just, just, just stay here for one second. He doesn't want to define Benjamin as a son of sorrow because, because that's not who he is anymore. The son of sorrow defines Jacob, but the son of my right hand defines Israel. Benjamin just wasn't a reflection of who Benjamin was. Benjamin's name meant who his daddy was. And Israel said, uh-uh, that's not who I am anymore. i already been. I've been in that place of wrestling, but I've also been in that place of blessing. And that's not who I am any longer. Uh-uh, my boy can't be called Benoni. I know Rachel may have called him that in that moment of sorrow, but that's not who he is, and that's not who I am. Some of us need an identity change this morning. Some of us need to define ourselves by who God has called us to be, not who the enemy's trying to tell you that you were. I feel the Holy Ghost helping this morning. You see, Jacob was no longer a deceiver, a supplanter, but now he was a prince with God. And so as a prince, he had a, nobody wanted to be at the right hand of a deceiver. But everybody wanted to be at the right hand of the prince. The son of my right hand. Let, let's just talk about the right hand for a moment. Bethlehem was the place of the name change. But more than a name change, it was an identity change. It was definement. It was refinement. It was alignment with what God had called Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to become. Jacob wasn't going to allow this son to bear the shame 
of the sorrow. He was going to allow this son to be saddled with the weight and the responsibility of kingdom, of future, of generations. Because of Bethlehem, his name was going to be changed. Son of my right hand. The right hand was a place of anointing. The right hand was a place of blessing. That's what God does for us this morning. How many could just echo for a moment? Pastor Jack, I know what you're talking about because God changed my life, but he also changed my future. He also changed my eternity. Ephesians said it well, two and one. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins where in time past you walked according to the course of this world. Someone say, that's who I was. According to the prince of the power of the air. That prince. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience among whom also we all had our conversation in time past. In the lust of the flesh, desiring, uh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as, as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, he hath quickened us up together with Christ. By grace are ye saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. That's what happened when God said, uh-uh, I'm not going to let you be defined by your past. I'm not going to let you be defined by sin. I'm not going to let you be defined the way that the devil wants to define you. But I'm going to let you come into my kingdom and sit at my right hand. And I'm going to endure you with power and with glory and with righteousness. You don't have to walk under the shadow of what you were. You get to walk into the brightness of who God is calling you to be. Come on, Benjamin. It's time to come out. The right hand was the place of anointing through Scripture. We won't take the time to go through it all. The right hand was the place of blessing. The right hand was the place of strength. Isaiah said it. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Someone say strength. I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand. Of my righteousness. The right hand is a place of promise. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. And at thy right hand. There are pleasures forever more. The right hand is a place of authority. But to which of the angels said he at any time. Sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool I'm talking about the right hand we are sons and daughters of the right hand we're not sons of sorrow sorrow is the old you the right hand is the new you the right hand is that place of victory for they had not they got not the land in possession by their own sword neither did their own arm saved them, but thy right hand and thine arm and the light of thy countenance because thou hast a favor unto them. Someone say victory. 
the right hand's a place of salvation. Show thy marvelous kindness, O thou that saved by thy right hand, them which put their trust in thee from those that rise up against them. We're talking about the right hand. The right hand is a place of separation. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with them, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory and before him shall be gathered all nations and he shall separate them one from the other as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats and he shall set the sheep on his right hand but the goats on the left and then shall the king say unto them in his right hand come ye blessed of the father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world I'm trying to let us know this morning that God's got some promise some potential and some power attached to sons of the right hand and you get renamed in Bethlehem It's not just a story about Benoni becoming Benjamin. It's a story for every single one of us. Oh, little town of Bethlehem is where the mighty promise is revealed that we don't have to live under the old curse. We can walk into the new promise. God wants to change someone's identity here this morning at Bethlehem. You see, Rachel, I had mentioned just a moment ago that she reached back to that curse. Genesis 3.16, it said, unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow. Someone say sorrow. And thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. She rightly said, Benoni, son of my sorrow. But the problem was, she was reaching back to the curse. She was reaching back to that word that had been said over women's lives outside of Christ. The benefit was that Jacob was on the scene and he had already wrestled with God until he received his blessing. And so instead of reaching back and grasping hold of the curse, Isaiah reached, sorry, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Israel reached ahead. And got a hold of the promise and said, not going to call him Benoni any longer. We're going to call him Benjamin, the son of my right hand. You're not Benoni. You're Benjamin. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I wish someone would just kind of receive whatever promise God has ready to give you right here. Come on, right there, right there, someone. You just got a little revelation. Someone just got a glimpse of a glimmer of hope on the, on the horizon that seems so impossible. Right here, right now, God is letting somebody realize that's not who I'm identifying you. Come on, Benjamin, you're right there. You're right there this morning. Coming back to the music today. The curse connected us to trouble. The curse connected us to sorrow, vanity, wickedness, affliction, evil. Falsehoods and idolatry, iniquity and mischief, sorrows and unjustice. This is all part of what that word Benoni means, son of. 
But when Isaiah, that prophet, began to declare about what would happen in a little town of Bethlehem, everything changes. Benjamin comes out into the sunlight. We'll touch on it a little bit more, but Bethlehem, Ephrata. Ephrata has dual meaning attached to its word. It's, we're going to have communion together next week. It means fruitfulness. Bethlehem also means the house of bread. But the other word attached to Ephrata is ash heap. Ashes, the leftovers of what's burned and gone. The leftovers of something that's been destroyed or lost. The power of the flame to kindle completes its final work and all that are left are the ashes impossible to ignite just the leftovers, the rest of. But when Isaiah was speaking about the promised Messiah that would come, he grabbed his quill and began to pen the words, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planning of the Lord, that he might be glorified. None of that sounds like a son of sorrow this morning. That sounds so much to me like the son of promise. Sounds so much to me like what God would wish to do in every heart and in every life. The right hand of God wants to work. The right hand of God wants to reach. The right hand of God wants to perform the impossible, the miraculous. The right hand of God is moving in the room here this morning. I felt it. I felt it in my study this morning as I was prepping for this service. God, let me know that somebody was going to be hearing this message that needed to know. No, that's not your future. That's not who you are. You get to step out and promise his right hand is going to perform the work. If it's only ashes that you've got left, God's saying it's about time to trade them in. Beauty for ashes. That's what happens in Bethlehem. You're not Benoni, you're Benjamin. So walk into the promise that God has for you. That verse goes on, it says they, who's they? Those that were ashes, those that were mourning, those that were destroyed, those that were heavy, those that were impossible, in a place of impossibility. God said, ah, when I reach in, when I do my work, when I act with my right hand, watch what comes out, watch what they do. When the enemy had already find them as finished, when the enemy had already said, they're all done, when the enemy had already said, 
said they're just connected to the sorrow of the curse of the past God says no way my right hand is going to work and they those people those ones those Benoni that became Benjamin they shall build the old cities they shall raise up the former desolation they shall repair the waste cities the desolation of many generations God's not done strangers shall stand and feed your flocks and the sons and alien of the aliens shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers but ye shall be named the priests of the Lord men shall call you the ministers of our God ye shall eat the riches of the Gentiles and in their glory shall ye boast yourselves for your shame ye shall have double and for confusion they shall rejoice in their portion therefore in their land they shall possess the double everlasting joy shall be unto them so what's God saying God saying that he may have allowed you to walk into the season of sorrow but it was only because when you came out on the other side by his right hand he would he would do double he would do double what you ever were he would do double what you ever had he would do double of what you ever would become simply because he allowed you to walk through the process of being Benoni and becoming Benjamin and that all happened in Bethlehem don't live under your past identity I'm finished this morning if you want to stand together with me is here right now come on there's a breaking that's happening bondages are coming off chains are being destroyed anointing is resting this morning someone just receive it right now would you I wish every hand we may not we may be a little muffled because of the mask but I wish every hand would be raised in the room it's come on it's about it's about your father this morning he's not gonna be defined by us he's not the father of sorrow come on you're the son of his right hand and he is a God of authority he is a God of power he's a God of righteousness come on we're not living under the curse of the past we're stepping into the promise of the future this morning come on prayer warriors pray because it's a war right now come on intercessors pray because lives are in the balance right now it's it's decision time it's it's deliverance day or it's defeat day you got to make the choice 
what am I going to be defined as? Whose words am I going to listen to? How, how am I going to walk through life? I don't read anywhere where Benjamin in the future allowed anybody to call him Benoni because he was the son of the right hand. Come on, let your voice out. Let your voice out. Let your voice out. We can raise that screen. I, I hear the praise team worshiping back there. I hear the praise team praying back there. We, we may as well just include them in the service this morning. Everybody from the front to the back. Change, transformation is occurring right now. Come on, it's a wrestling match. Come on, it happens in a little town like Bethlehem, but mighty work. A mighty move, a mighty hand is working in the room this morning. Come on, chains are falling. Liberty is being released in the room. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us right now. Come on, that same Spirit that Isaiah preached about that same promise that Isaiah spoke about it's working in the room 2,000 years hasn't diminished God's opportunity for doubling what he wants to do in your life it's still working right now if you have a need from God I'd, I'd have both hands up saying right here right now God my life my future my home We're going to sing in just a moment, but I'll tell you what, we've got room. If we're masked, public health says we can be three feet from one another. If we're not singing, we're going to be praying, but I got room for people to, people to come and make a commitment that you're going to receive what God wants for your future. We got room. We got room for probably 50 people in the front. But this morning, I want to have a, just, just a good old-fashioned altar call in the room. Does everyone know what three feet is? It's a little less than our two arms connected. That's about six feet, so it gives you lots of room. But we got room to pray. We got room to come. And we got time this morning. It's 10 after 12. I'm done. But God's not done yet this morning. I'm going to put my mask on so everyone can come right straight to the front. We got room. If you crowd the altar, we can get about 50 or 60 people in the room. But God wants someone to know that your future isn't what, come on, isn't what it appears right now. There's a, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. There's people in the room that you need to make a stand. You need to make a declaration. I'm just going to say it's not time for everybody to leave right now. I'm not even sure it's time for anybody to leave right now. It's about time that, that we made our way. 
Come on, I, I wish that somebody would just move from where you are. It may be that you only move five feet forward, but what you're saying is I'm not staying in the past. I'm not staying where I was. I'm not going to be defined by who I used to be. I'm stepping into the promise. Come on, folks in the balcony. I wish you just grab your purse and come on down. Grab your wallet. Come on and grab your phone. Come on down. Let's walk into the promise that God has for us this morning. 2021 is going to be a, come on, it's going to be better. Because we're not going to get bitter about what God has allowed us to walk through. Come on, if you're already bubbled, get right together. If you're already a bubble, get together. But we're going to pray that God performs the miraculous this morning. It may not be in somebody's body, but I, I feel like God's about to transform somebody's mind. God's about to transform somebody's identity. God's about to transform your future this morning. Lord, your anointing is in this room this morning. Your power present to heal. God, we're asking that you would work on everybody's behalf this morning. Everyone that's in the room has the right to receive what you have in store for them. Everybody in the room from the front to the back, God, to the foyer, to the stairwell, to the parking lot, everybody's got a right to receive what you have in store for them today nobody's excluded but God I am praying that you let a special double portion blessings God let it would rest on someone that that God you just compelled them to come a little closer this morning we're resting in that word double right now God I'm praying double portion anointing I'm praying double portion blessing I, I'm praying double for the trouble God I, that's what we're praying about this morning when the enemy would reach in and try and rename and redefine God we're walking into the hope being released by the power of your word this morning I pray that everybody walks out with the power of your right hand at work, engaged, moving, praying over our homes. God, we're praying over our city. God, we're praying over our church today. God, we're praying over an audience that may be watching, but they're wishing they would be here in the room right now. I'm praying double portion anointing. And Lord, I'm praying for courage for someone to stand up and become who you called them to be. 
I pray that they would refuse the identity of Benoni. And God, that they would accept the identity of Benjamin. God, you got plans for Benjamin. You got blessings for Benjamin. You got outpouring for Benjamin. God, you've got authority for Benjamin. You got a future for Benjamin, God. He doesn't know it yet, but at the end of his father's life, he's going to prophesy over him. It's going to be a prophecy of promise. It's going to be a prophecy of power. It's going to be a prophecy of authority, God. Benjamin doesn't know it yet. He's just going to accept the identity that his dad is giving him. So I pray, God, in this altar, in this room, to our audience online, we're asking God that we would walk into a new identity because of what happened at Bethlehem thousands of years ago. It's not a tiny thing, God. It's a mighty thing. We're praying it in your name. I'm preparing to dismiss because this the action required to respond to what God has called us to do is about becoming. And it goes beyond the room today. Let me just pause the music for a minute.